The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulon Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, for me, I'm a big believer in fitting your diabetes management into your lifestyle and into how you want to live and eat rather than being super restrictive purely just to manage your diabetes. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we are back. Welcome back to the Insulon Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode. And every time me and Graham do another episode after we've done a couple guest episodes, I feel as if we haven't had a proper chat in a while, Graham. So it's good to have you back again. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has it been. Feels a, like it. A good few episodes, but it is great to be back on the Insulon Podcast. What were you doing without the podcast? I was sleeping and I was going out. Well, actually, I was actually going out drinking a lot because it was, we had we had a four-day weekend, so I had a 30th to go to. Of course, the other one of the days was St. Patrick's Day. And another one of the days was uh, just one of my friends was in Dublin, John Salmon. You know, John. Ah. Now, I was, I was thinking about saying this, and then I said I wasn't going to say it because I didn't want it to seem I was being disrespectful to diabetics. Oh, and then God, I said... I was because I was contemplating the driving home, and then I said to myself, "Do you know what? If anyone is listening to two years of the Insulon podcast and thinks me, the producer, is being disrespectful to diabetics, <laughs> they have True. another thing coming." So it's something that happened to me, and I was, I was thinking, you know how you and other diabetics have conversations on this podcast, and you often said to me how you cannot explain what a hypo feels like. Hmm. Something happened to me in St Patrick's Day, and honest to God, I was thinking. This is actually what I envision you feel you feel like when you're going through a hypo. What it just came out of the blue. It was so weird. So and for the record, I wasn't drunk as well. I know it happened on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I wasn't drunk. Yeah. I'll tell you exactly where I was in my night of drinking. I was after having three pints. So I was at the beginning of the night, and me and my friend Sean, we were out and we were going meeting another group of people, and we were in the pub, and I sat down and something started happening to me. Where I was like, the whole room just started to spin. I started to get really weak. My arms started to shake. And I was like, I need food. I need food now. And as I got up, 
I went to the bar to order food because it was St. Patrick's Day. It was so busy. And I was like, Graham, you're all right. And I was kind of like so confused and dazed in that moment. And I was like, I had no energy and I felt like I was going to faint. It was the weirdest thing ever. And I sat down, I shouted over my friends. I was like, just get me some food at the bar. So we came back with two packets of crisps. I swallowed them and I still <laughs> felt like my arms were just shaking. And I ran out to the shop. I got a ham, cheese and tomato sandwich. I got a Twix and I just sat on the ground outside because I just needed to get away from everybody for about 15 to 20 minutes. And I was like, this must be and, and only a small percentage of what diabetics go through when they go through a hypo. Because all I could think about, it was so weird. I need to get food into me because I was about to pass out, I thought. It was so, it's never happened to me before. Out of the blue. And you only had three pints. I'm not a man. It wasn't drink. <laughs> it wasn't drink. I believe you, you. I believe you. So what did it, it feel like then when you came back to it? Oh, it was so, like when I actually felt, you could actually feel the food going through me and I felt like, oh, okay, I'm getting re-energized here. And I sat down and I go, whoa, that was the f- weirdest thing to ever happen to me. It was so strange. strange. And I was thinking, I wonder is that what it is like to have a hypo? But obviously, me on a very smaller scale to actually what it what it is like. Um, you never know. It could well have, have been a similar feeling. Hmm. But it's funny, even when you were explaining that, I could almost, I was like, like reminiscent of the last low that I've had. I can't remember like the last bad low that I had. But it's just, it, it's so hard to explain. Hmm. And maybe that was a bit of a taste of it for you yeah. to see to step into the diabetic world That's <laughs> to see exactly what it's like. What I was thinking, I go, if this is what diabetics have to go through, no wonder there's such a thing as hypoanxiety because mm. I would not like to have the thought of that happen to me on the daily if I didn't keep on top of my blood sugars. Or The way that I explain or describe bad hypos where you, like, you go lower than just a slight dip. Let's say you wake up at, at about 3 a.m. in the morning and you've dropped quite low. You are on a different planet. Mm. <laughs> like, and it's almost, I feel as if it's like I'm either completely hollow or else I'm melting or else I'm underwater. It Sometimes it feels as if you're underwater because it's like when you're underwater, nothing else matters except getting air. It's like you don't care about you just don't care about anything. Anything. It's just I need. I need to get air. And if you have a bad hypo, that air is like getting sugar into you, getting glucose and food into you. So when you wake up at a three a.m. hypo and you, like you waddle down to the kitchen and just completely invade the place, just destroy the kitchen because it doesn't matter. It's just you have to. Get, you have to get stuff into you. So it's like being underwater. <laughs> And the amount of times, the amount of times over the last 10 years where you would wake up with a hypo and you'd, you'd, you'd stumble down to the kitchen in your boxer shorts and just eat everything in sight just to get that air, just to get the food into you, which is, yeah, it's a strange feeling. But uh, hopefully a feeling you will feel at some stage, Graham. Of course, yes. Fingers yes. crossed. Yeah. You do finally somehow yeah. become diabetic it's funny though when I did go to the shop I was like I just need to get any sort of sandwich all in my head is I just want bread just bread 
and it was late at night, so there was very little selection, and all that was there was tuna sweet corn, and I hate tuna. I was like, no, no, anything satisfying else. sandwich. What is something else? And then what I what would you have liked? What would be the ideal sandwich? Oh, ideal sandwich. I would love to go to a deli and get a proper one, but you know, it was only those ready-made sandwiches. Yeah. I would have loved chicken, bacon, and lettuce. That's my ideal go-to garage shop sandwich but i had to deal with ham and cheese you're waiting you're waiting all day for somebody to make it for you you're at the other side of the counter just dying (laughs) so that's my story i hope i didn't offend anyone that that was my i am offended i thought that you seem offended before we get into the emails own uh this podcast of course isn't about me and my faux blood sugar low blood sugar uh what about you how are you getting on sometimes it feels as if as if you're trying to make this podcast about you graham I wouldn't be against calling it the Insulone Podcast with Owen and Graham. The Insulone Graham Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, there was one thing that I that I was going to talk about briefly this week was, or is, about how, and I've touched on it before, how your bloods are like a constant continuation of itself, obviously. It's like what I did three hours ago affects what I am doing right now, blood sugar-wise. My, what I do right now will affect how my blood sugars react over the next few hours, these kind of things. So because the weather has been getting nicer in Ireland, touch wood, it stays the same. I've been going for walks first thing in the morning. Now I'm very strict on not touching my phone first thing in the morning because I like to just kind of settle into my day before like emails or social media or any of this kind of thing. So I've been going for walks first thing in the morning and a couple of mornings this week, I haven't gone on the walks first thing because my blood sugars have been on the lower end of in range. Now, which is a good thing, but it's just <laughs> just another example of how how frustrating a simple act or a simple walk can be if you're living with type 1 diabetes. Like so for example, I always prioritize my overnight bloods because essentially we're asleep for a third of our day. So in my opinion, it's vitally important that we sleep in range as much as we can. Now, a couple of the mornings I was in range throughout the whole night, which is great, but I woke up in range, but just like close enough, that thin line between being in range and being on the lower end. And I knew that a walk first thing in the morning would have dropped me low because for me, when I walk, I drop basically. So that's why I need to either eat something beforehand or reduce insulin beforehand or eat something, whatever it is. So there was a couple of mornings where I was like, oh, I'm perfectly in range here. And it's either I don't go on the walk or I eat something like a couple of glucose tablets before going on the walk. And I'm always preaching on here, do what you want, do what you want, and manage your blood sugar around that. But two of the days this week, I was like, you know what? My bloods are perfectly in range. I'm just going to skip the walk to keep my bloods that stable for the morning. And it wasn't like I was dying to get out for the walk and I I was making this big sacrifice not going on the walk. But sometimes, from my own experience, I'm always speaking from my own experience, sometimes when you live with type 1 diabetes, you will have to make a decision between do you want to prioritize your bloods over something else? Now, not that 
a walk would have made a massive difference to my day in any regard. But in the moment, I was like, you know what? I'm happier to start work earlier, to keep my bloods more stable in range and avoid the risk of a low first thing in the morning. And would you then postpone the walk to later on in the day? Or yeah, I'd you, still get yeah. one in, definitely. Yeah. So it's not like I would, I would not go for a walk at all or not go to the gym because of that. I make sure I get it in at another time. But I just remember two of those mornings, I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to talk about that in the podcast because a lot of what we do can be influenced by our blood sugar. And our blood sugar can be influenced, obviously, by what we do. And sometimes we may need to make a decision of maybe I want to just hold off on doing a certain thing. Maybe I want to just hold off on eating a certain type of food in that exact moment to keep your bloods where you want them. And what I always say to clients is make a decision of what it is you actually want. And what I mean by that, it's like it's very difficult to keep your blood sugar where you want it and keep your time and range where you want it or your A1C at an ideal number longer term it's very difficult to do that if you don't know what it is you actually want from your blood sugar because if we don't know what we want or we don't let's say have an expectation of our own management or a certain standard or a target or a goal or whatever it is we can kind of just coast along and we're not as conscious of these sort of decisions that we can make Whereas if I say to myself, right, what I want from my blood sugar. Now, it doesn't mean I'm always going to get it because, <laughs> because sometimes it can be more difficult than others. But if I say to myself, what I want from my blood sugar is for it to be, for example, let's say 80% time and range and above. I'm already almost making that decision. So therefore, I'm conscious of the result that I want today. So therefore... I'm going to be more clued into what are the decisions I need to make to ensure that that happens. Whereas if I say to myself, you know what, I actually don't really care about my blood sugar today, which I have done and I will do again plenty of times in the future. But if we say to ourselves, ah, I don't really care, then we're not as clued into those decisions that can have an influence on our blood sugar. So what I always say to myself, to my clients and to anyone listening, decide what it is you actually want from your blood sugar. Do you want your blood sugar to be 50% time and range? Do you want it or do you not care if it's lower or do you want it to be higher? And again, there's no perfect blood sugar. It's subjective to a certain extent, but deciding what it is you want and what you expect from your own management gives you a greater ability to make varied decisions around different times of day or different foods or exercise or whatever it might be. That went on a lot longer than I expected it to be. That's okay. A lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> no, there was. Will we get into some emails? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's do it. As always, you can email us about absolutely anything. You can have questions, maybe pick Owen's brain off something he said in a previous episode or just say hello. It is the Insulone podcast at gmail.com. First email off this episode comes from Karen Goldstein and she says, new listener. It says, hi Owen, I just had to email after listening to your latest episode. I have had type 1 diabetes for 19 years and my 21 year old son has had it for 10 years. 
He is struggling unbelievably right now, and I was looking for some podcasts to share with him. Words can't really express how I felt during and after listening. You're so insightful, knowledgeable, down to earth, funny, right to the point, and I can't wait to listen to more. Thank you so much for being out there. With great love from Chicago, that is from Karen. Wow, what an unreal email. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate that. And I think, like, and we were only chatting about this the other day, Graham, when we were, because me and Graham have podcast meetings sometimes, sometimes to go through what we want. Sometimes, sometimes. Plans for the future, these kind of things. And we were only talking about this a couple of weeks ago about when we look at the stats, percentage wise, there's somebody listening to the podcast all of the time. Mm hmm like whatever time that might be. And I find that strange that people are listening to, to us speak all the time. It's really nice. But to get an email like that from Karen and specifically about her son who she feels is struggling is the reason we do the podcast. So it it proves that it's serving its purpose. And I really hope that the podcast has helped Karen and does help her son and Karen, if you're listening to this podcast, I, I really appreciate it. And if there's anything at all that you want to run by me, if there's anything I could potentially help with for yourself or your son, let me know and I'd be more than happy to help out if I can. But I hope the 108 podcasts that we have up to this point have helped your son get past the period of time that he's struggling with because everybody goes through those times with diabetes. Next up, we have a an email from Ollie Duke, which is a cool name. And he says, sight and diet. And Ollie says, Owen and Graham, I found your podcast while looking for some inspiration when preparing a talk I was giving at work about my type 1 diabetes and the mental health issues I have faced throughout my career as a result of type 1 diabetes. I was diagnosed with diabetes 14 years ago when I was 22, and last year I was diagnosed with Addison's disease, another autoimmune disease. As a newly diagnosed type 1 diabetic, I did everything I could to hide my diabetes. I wish a podcast like this had been available when I was first diagnosed. My question relates to diet. I have been vegan for three years, and after experimenting with different diets, I found a low-fat diet meant I needed less insulin, feel healthier, and run a good HbA1c. My last result was 6.1 and my average daily time and range is around 85%. I do a lot of exercise, very into triathlons, and I love eating carbs, so the low-fat diet works great for me. I wore glasses for eight years. My prescription was not serious, but glasses were needed to read and see at a distance. However, a year after following the low-fat diet, my sight went back to 20-20 vision, and I haven't worn glasses for the last two years. Eyes are a hot topic for type 1 diabetics, and I wondered if you've ever heard of sight improving for a type 1 diabetic and whether you've experienced with low-fat diets in the context of type 1 diabetes. Thanks for everything you do, and you have permission to read this out on the podcast, should you wish. Thank God I read that just before we, we uh, read it out, just in case he said, no, you don't have permission. <laughs> yeah. I wish this podcast had been around when I was newly diagnosed. That is from Ollie. 36 years old from Leeds in the UK. Leeds. Unreal. Leeds, I'm a Leeds, Leeds. fan, but Leeds, Leeds football. Uh, amazing. Thank you, Ollie, for that very insightful and detailed email. We always appreciate people going into a lot of detail with those emails. Go few things jumped out of me. Yeah. Obviously, the fact that he was doing talk about type 1 diabetes is unreal. I hope, Ollie, that the talk went well. 
he obviously said that he kind of struggled with his mental health specifically as a result of type 1 diabetes. Not overly surprising. It's quite a consuming condition. So the fact that you're doing a talk about it is massive credit to yourself. And the fact that you're doing triathlons is a massive achievement in itself because without diabetes, triathlons are difficult. And then obviously the added layer of complication with type 1 diabetes. In terms of the vision improvement, I personally don't have any experience with that. So I can't really make many comments about it. But for Ollie, obviously the results don't lie. I'm happy that his vision has gone back to 2020. And I'd actually love to even have a conversation about that to learn a bit more from his own experience. But even specifically with the second question that he asked about kind of higher fat or lower fat diets with type 1 diabetes, a lot of the time higher fat diets can increase insulin resistance. And even from my own experience managing my own diabetes, and I always treat my own management like uh, an experiment, trying different things to see personally how it may affect me, and then obviously doing my own research and stuff. Much like Ollie, I enjoy carbohydrate and it's never going to be a part of my diet or an entire macronutrient that I'm going to take out of my diet. Because for me, I'm a big believer in fitting your diabetes management into your lifestyle and into how you want to live and eat rather than being super restrictive purely just to manage your diabetes. Because there are ways that you can manage your blood sugar with whatever way you want to manage your diabetes. People prefer low carb, people prefer higher carb, people prefer higher fat, people prefer lower fat. There's no perfect formula. A kind of cliche thing to say, but it's true, is the perfect diet is one that you can stick to. And for me, it's important that I am able to manage my diabetes long term in a way that essentially I can enjoy. So I'm enjoying the food that I eat and I'm enjoying the enjoying the amount of food that I eat. So for me, I'm not going to cut out carbohydrate. But because I eat high carb, and a lot of that is due to my training and stuff too, but because I eat high carb, I don't want to eat super high fat either. Because I know that if I'm eating a high carb meal, along with a high amount of fat in that meal, for me, the higher fat just kind of complicates things. Because if it is higher fat, then I know, right, that's probably slowing down digestion. That's probably going to lead to a delayed spike in my blood sugar, maybe one, two, three, depending on the fat, four hours after I eat the meal. So then I'm looking at splitting doses and different times for different insulin doses and these kind of things. And for me, yes, of course, it's manageable, but it can make it that bit more complicated. So generally, if somebody is eating, from my experience with, with type 1 diabetes, if somebody's eating high carb, the vast majority of the time, their fats are going to be quite low. Because if I'm eating a super high carb meal, but the fat's pretty low, I know that I'm not really going to require a, a delayed a delayed insulin dose or a split dose, or I'm not expecting a delayed spike. Whereas when you throw a high fat meal into the mix with that high carb, much like going back to the pizza effect, you can almost expect that delayed rise. And 
If you're on a pump, you can extend that bolus over a certain period of time. If you're on insulin pens, and for example, you don't have a CGM, it's difficult to know when exactly you're seeing that spike or when exactly you need that second or third dose, whatever it might be. So I feel like I'm going on a bit of a tangent from what Ollie <laughs> had asked, but from my personal experience, I find a high carb, high protein diet, relatively low fat, easiest for me to manage. But there are ways around every way you want to eat. It will always come down to amounts of insulin, timing of your insulin, understanding how and when that food will affect you. It's just about understanding those patterns and trends rather than thinking, this is the way I have to eat, or this is the way you have to eat to manage your diabetes. You know, and sometimes there's a lot of kind of finger pointing of like, oh, you have to do this or you can't do this. Your diabetes is your diabetes. There's ways to manage any type of food. And the best way to manage diabetes is a way that you can stick to long term while still obviously prioritizing your blood sugar. So don't think that you have to do this or you should never do that. Because the reality of it is we're going to be diabetic for probably the rest of our life. Fingers crossed there's a, a cure, but I'm not holding out for it, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Manage your diabetes and eat the food that you want to eat to a certain extent. And I mean a certain extent, like don't go out eat pizzas every day of the week because obviously it's going to be a lot more difficult but eat in a way that you enjoy and manage your management around that perfect ollie i hope you got a little bit from that uh, thank you Owen, for that one and we'll do one more email to wrap us up and i saw this one actually came in fairly recently from beth and uh, i quite enjoyed it so this is from beth cogger and she says, your reason, not your excuse. And she says, hello. First of all, I just wanted to say how grateful I am for your podcast. It is so helpful. I always listen and hear you say to email in any stories. And I've never really had anything funny or interesting to share. <laughs> well, today my MOT was booked. Now, MOT, I believe, is the English equivalent of the NCT here in Ireland. And for international people, that's where you have to bring your car into a garage to make sure it is roadworthy. And she says, I arrived at my mum's house around the corner an hour early, but my bloods went low right before I was supposed to leave. Yeah. This meant I was late to the garage because I had to wait for them to come up. I arrived at the garage and the man said that I was late and he couldn't fit me in because they run on a tight schedule. I was so annoyed and began to explain that I don't want to make excuses, but... I'm diabetic and couldn't legally drive <laughs> here. I also heard my voice break and I was about to cry. Oh, no. This is when the man said that his 12-year-old was recently diagnosed with diabetes and he nearly died from DKA last year. He instantly went from being scary to so caring. He said I was pulling his arm, but to give him my car keys. We also got chatting about the struggles and I'm planning on sharing some of my resources with him and his son. I don't like to use diabetes as an excuse, but this was true and it worked to treat. Anyway, it wasn't my excuse for being late. It was the reason I was late. Thanks for being you and helping the community. That is from Beth and she has confessions of a diabetic. I presume that is her Instagram handle. Oh, and I just love that one. 
Those love are, that. And it's funny really because nice. I follow Beth on Instagram and she obviously follows me on Instagram and listens to the podcast. And she religiously shares the podcast on her Instagram story, which I always appreciate so much. But Beth actually messaged me about this through Instagram. So we were kind of briefly chatting about it. And it's funny to hear the story again through the email because it's like, and, and anyone listening knows this, it's if you ever see or meet an other diabetic unexpectedly outside in the real world. In the wild. In the wild. You just instantly have a connection. And obviously this mechanic um, or what, yeah, mechanic presumably was, his son was was having or had a difficult time with diabetes, which I'm sure he's all right. Well, I hope he's all right. And that instant connection between Beth and him, because it's like, you don't even need to know anything about each other, but because you know you have that connection through diabetes, it's like, oh, we both instantly know the shite, excuse my language, that we have to deal with each day. <laughs> Did you know? So yeah. it's like that instant connection. So I love that story. And it's like, um, going back to, I think, what we said on the on the podcast previously, it's like a lifetime get-out-of-jail-free card, <laughs> you know? It's, an, it's also an excuse that you wouldn't make up because no one who doesn't have diabetes knows anything about diabetes, <laughs> exactly. really. So you'd be caught out fairly quick. If they don't, and tell us about your low blood sugar. And why couldn't you drive? So, it's not only, so if someone says they're diabetic, you better believe they're diabetic. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to doubt any sort of medical yeah. condition that you don't know any, anything about. <laughs> and to be honest, I've used it a few times in my day in, for work or college back in the day saying, oh, my blood sugar is too high or had a, <laughs> had a bad night, had a bad night with the blood sugars. I can't come in. <laughs> and of course, that was all true. No excuses. All true. Of, all course, of course, of course. And it reminds me because I was only in the gym there a couple of weeks ago and there was a woman in doing some weights and I looked over and I see a Dexcom on her arm. I was like, no way. Instantly, I obviously knew she was diabetic. So when she had finished her set, I went over and I was like, I see you have a Dexcom. And then I showed her my Dexcom on my app. And she was like, oh, no way. And then just instantly you have that connection. And you're asking like, how are you finding it? When were you diagnosed? Like she, she is Irish, but lives in Australia. And she was saying how, I don't think, I think, or I can't remember, did, did she say she has to pay for insulin over there? Or and like all these different things that you need to go through, but you can still understand, again, going back to the shite that you have to deal with. So it is just that instant connection of meeting a diabetic in the wild. It's kind of nice. Mm. And it's like, oh, one of us, one of us. <laughs> it's cool. Beth, thank you so much for that email. Really enjoyed it. And if you're listening and you want to share anything at all or ask Owen any questions, the Insel Owen podcast at gmail.com is where you can find us. Yes, you can. And you don't need to have a story that's extraordinary or outlandishly funny. It could be anything that happens to you during the day related to your management, your mindset, your diabetes. We love hearing it. We get all sorts of emails, all sorts of messages and stories sent in. They are all relevant. And something that happens to you may help somebody that listens to the podcast. And I think that's what's really nice about these 
these email episodes is listeners send in a story or experience or insight or advice we share it on the podcast and then all the listeners get to hear so it's almost like, again, building that community. But something that you may feel isn't relevant to somebody because it's like not a standout story, it, I guarantee it's relevant because we all think about the same things. We all experience the same things. We all experience the physical and mental highs and lows. So we love getting those emails in and don't hesitate to reach out. We love reading them out. But enough for today. I know you're busy. You've a lot to do. Have a good day. Have a good week. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your ears. We look forward to next week. Look after those blood sugars. We'll chat to you soon. Take it easy, man. See you later, all.